Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the Around the Crease podcast. This is episode 46. Today, Michael Ward and I are going to be talking about the look back at the 2018 season. And overall, we're kind of going to discuss four different areas. Favorite game, favorite player highlight, favorite offseason moment, and favorite moment overall. So we're very excited to take a look back at one of the most successful seasons in LaxRecords.com history. But before we get to the show, we're going to say hello to one of our sponsors. Hey everybody, Mike Loveday here again with Michael Ward, and this is the latest edition of the Around the Crease podcast. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, we're, we're just after the holiday season, well I guess just after Christmas, I guess New Year's is just around the corner depending on when you're listening to this show, but we thought this would be, um, obviously it's the time of year when everybody kind of starts to do the look back. Um, we, we, we jumped the gun and did the look ahead last week. So, uh, we're going to take a step back and we're going to kind of look back at the 2018 season. And, and Michael, you kind of came on to, um, as a contributor, uh, later in the year, I guess probably about mid season or something like that. I can't remember exactly when you started writing later in the year. So this is all new for, for both of us. So this should be pretty exciting. Yes, I agree. I'm, I'm again, very happy to do it. It's great. So we're going to we're gonna kind of kick it off. We're going to break this into to four different sections. We're going to have our favorite game, our favorite player highlight from the, from the season, favorite off-season moment, and then we're going to kind of pick a favorite moment overall. So I'm going to let you start with the first category, Mike, and we're going to talk about, like, your favorite game from the 2018 season. Um, well, I have a few, and uh, it, it's hard to say when you have a favorite and then there's a few, but it, it's different categories. Um, the, the, the FIL World Lax Championship, the USA game versus Canada, uh, controversial ending, uh, refereeing. I thought that was a phenomenal game. I thought that was compelling TV. I thought that was great for the sport. Um, that being said, I like to concentrate more on high school. And everything I do, I deal with sort of from a personal angle. That's, you know, that's how I look at it. So uh, moving to Carmel, uh, Indiana from Chicago, um, New Trier High School came to Carmel uh, to play. So New Trier, um, my son played with almost all the kids on the team. So I knew every kid on New Trier. And New Trier is the top one or two program in Illinois historically came to Carmel. So I wanted to see how Carmel um, would hold up against New Trier. Uh, the day before New Trier, I think, beat Cathedral, who was the defending state champion, by 15 goals. So everyone on Carmel was a little nervous. Um, surprisingly, New Trier won 8-6. to six. Um, and, and, and Carmel was leading them. I, I actually think maybe New Trier overlooked them a little bit. Um, I think uh, Carmel might have been a little nervous. I would love to see them play again, and there's an opportunity for them to play again this upcoming year. Yeah. So that was that was a that was the, a great game to watch. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to see the kids who I've seen playing since they were 11, now competing against the place that I live now, and it was fun to see the parents. So that was a game that that uh, sticks out to, the most to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think for for me, there's there's a couple, and I, unfortunately, like I don't get to see a lot of games. Um, just my full-time job and the way the, the schedule works. So I don't get to see a lot of the games, but since I cover the sports so closely throughout the year and I get to see so many highlights and different things, like I, ha- I, I too have a couple. Um, 
I think for me, the one that is going to probably stand out from the year, um, and it was Loyola Academy's upset win over Victor. I think probably the entire uh, lacrosse world probably was impacted by that because that was just one of those things like I, I – no, we don't do Vegas odds, but I'm guessing the odds against Loyola winning that game were pretty slim heading into it. And I think that uh, has the impact of having a lot of – just bringing a lot of notoriety to the to Midwest lacrosse scene and kind of proving, like, it's not just, you know, the hotbeds. Like, the the sport is growing outside of those traditional areas. And for a team to go east like, – and, and there's been teams that have come from the Midwest and the West that have beat teams on the East Coast before. But I think it was one of those things, like, just seeing it happen for a team from Illinois going over to Victor, who has been a powerhouse for the last four or five years, and be able to do that, and it, it, that was a pretty tremendous game and one that definitely stood out for me. Um, my second one was one of those, like, I like to see records broken, and it's just one of those, like, this wasn't broken per se, but Dar- Richfield's win over uh, Darien out of Connecticut and that snapped their 76-game winning streak was another one that I thought, like, I, it, another one, I, it was in a uh, Class L state final game. So it couldn't be considered an upset because obviously Ridgefield was in the final. But it was one of those, like, you kind of get used to some of these teams winning. Darien has been winning for so long, obviously 76 straight games. I remember when I first started covering lacrosse, I was covering uh, girls lacrosse, and McDonough's winning streak that I think it's like 190-some games. I could be wrong on that. But, like, it was an insane amount. Like, you just get used to these teams winning, and it's almost a surprise when they lose. So, But because of that, they tend to stand out a little bit more because that was the longest winning streak in the in the nation since, I think, 2015 when a team out of New Hampshire had won 72 straight games. And no one has won more than 91, and there's two teams, uh, Sawanka and West Genesee out of New York have both won 91 in a row. So, Anytime you start to get to that kind of lofty goal, it's one of those like you start to wonder like, is this is this the team that's going to do it? Are they you know is that streak finally going to end? And didn't, but you know, seventy six straight games is an impressive feat nonetheless. So th- those are two exciting games and upsets, however you want to kind of define them. I think is usually what ends up standing out to me from from the season. And I'm sure you have probably thoughts on that with all Academy win too. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to use that as my favorite game because I, I think people already think that I might be a little bit of a homer for Loyola Academy. <laughs> um, but I know this. Loyola has gone out east for the last five years. Uh, they do three games in New York and three games in Maryland. Uh, they've come home with a winning record on every trip. So they're not, a, they're not, a, they're not sneaking up. on. T- and they should have gone 6-0 and on this last year. They lost to West Jenny. Uh, and that was the day after beating Victor. So I think they were, I think that was the letdown game. Um, so Loyola could do it. Brother Rice has done it. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's that. I think when you were just talking about the Darien game, um, when you have, uh, you're seeing these records being stopped, being broken. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think we're on the cusp of that right now, that everything's going to start breaking because there's more participation in the sport. Um, Teams that might not have been so good, it's they're they're now getting good. So you're going to see more upsets. It, I, I don't think we're at the, the a, a national parity yet. I still think the East Coast, Maryland, uh, the MIAA dominates. Long Island dominates. Uh, but I think we're at I think we're at the beginning of this where it's going to be national, and you're going to see teams from other states that could beat anybody. 
uh, including the Midwest teams, including teams from the South, including teams from the West. So that's, that's what excites me. That's, that's what gets me into this. And it was actually the Loyola game against Victor that got me involved in what we're doing today um, because it did not make a ripple in Illinois. Yeah. It didn't, it wasn't celebrated. It wasn't talked about. And I'm like, do you understand how big this is? I mean, that's, that's like a huge accomplishment. I know the people in New York were talking about it. I mean, a, a friend of mine who works with people from Victor, New York, they still, to this, he called me last week. He said they are still saying it should have never happened. That was a, that was a fluke. Uh, you know, they, they're still excusing it the whole time. They're, they right. don't believe it happened. And he said they, every time he brings it up, He's like, he does it just to get them going crazy. So that's, I mean, that's a huge catalyst, I think, for the whole, where I'm talking about Midwest lacrosse. I mean, I, you're national. I like to concentrate on the Midwest. Yeah. So that's a huge, huge, huge game. Yeah, and to kind of to your point, like, I, I think that is probably, you know, growing parity across the nation is probably a big reason. Like, I, I'm never going to say never, but I think that 91-game winning streak by those two teams is going to be a very difficult record to break because of just the way the game has changed since those teams set that record. I mean, like I said, Darian, like, they play – like, they don't dodge anybody. They play, uh, like, usually the Niskayuna out of New York every year. They play, obviously, all the teams – I mean, they play their rivals within the state, which, you know, Wilton and New Canaan and all those teams, like – and they travel. So it's not like they've done this against nobodies as well, but it's one of those things like you, you need some, it usually probably helps if you have some cupcakes or you don't have as difficult a schedule throughout the year. Cause I mean, win that many games is it's hard. I mean, this is, it's hard in any sport for professional college or whatever, but in high school, you get tend to get a little bit more ups and downs just by the nature of, you know, the age of the athletes that are playing the game. And it's hard. Like, I think to your point, like that Loyola Academy, it's, it's hard to get that up for games like on a consistent basis. Like when you have a big win, like over Victor, like I'm sure it was very difficult. Like I'm sure those kids played their hearts out in that West Genesee game, but I'm sure it was hard to get to that raise to that emotional level. Like you just become so emotional that you, you drain a little bit. Um, and obviously when you play the back-to-back game. So I think that 91, those 91 game winning streaks, like that's going to be interesting to kind of see, like I don't have it in front of me and I can't remember who has the current now, longest active winning streak but they're not close it'll take you know several years for anybody to get close if they do so that's going to be an interesting one to watch for me um coming up so but i'd love to hear from the the audience on what their favorite game you know i'm sure you know being a homer is perfectly okay so if you have your favorite game from the 2018 season we'd love to to hear about it you can always tweet us at lax records and at mfw chai um on twitter so we'd love to hear that but we're going to move on for now and talk about now, we're going to leave this a little bit open, whether it's your favorite player or your favorite highlight from the high school season. So, Michael, I'll, I'll let you start because I've talked for a little bit. Okay, well, uh, again, I watched a lot of the Midwest games, and being the first year watching the Carmel, my Carmel team, um, there's a kid on the team who's a senior, and I don't know if he's gotten any real – national publicity and i you know i don't think he was in any preseason all-american top his name is tommy Sprates. he's a left-handed uh midi they switch him between midi and attack he's six one power when i saw him play last year i you know i knew some of the kids a couple kids were d1 players and you know going to college and he wasn't mentioned and i just saw him warming up and i go who is that kid 
I'm like that. I go, that's the best player on the field. Uh, he was, he seemed like a man amongst boys. I mean, he's, he was an animal. Like, I'm like, you could put this kid on any team anywhere in the country and he's going to stand out. Mm-hmm. His shot is ridiculous. His power is ridiculous. Uh, it, it's just great. And I, I, and now he's on one of your the, your lists as players to watch, uh, and another um, indie indie you know online poll has him as the number one midi uh, in Indiana. So that's a kid I love. I, I mean, he jumped off the page when I saw him. Yeah. I, I was I loved it. Uh, and then there was another kid, Alec Vaccaro, a faceoff kid who is at Culver. Mm-hmm. I, he, I mean, I've, again, I've watched him since he was 11 and he's dominated since he was 11. And it's great to see him continuing at Culver competing with the best and playing and still dominating and still yeah. doing great. Uh, so those were the two players who I loved watching. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to go that I'm going to go see a lot more games this year. I know a lot of parents, coaches, uh, and other players send me messages like you need to keep an eye on this player. You need to keep an eye on this player. This player's done this. So I'm going to look at those kids and want to see, because I love seeing when someone just stands out and just, and you can tell that they're workers, you know, it's not that they just have the natural talent. It's the, it's the, it's the working and how they, the whole game is done. So I just love that. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these kids that people have uh, sent me, um, you know, information on. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I, I'm, you know, we're listing favorite player, and I get, probably should have prefaced earlier. We're going to play fast and loose with the term favorite here because I right. don't think I could pick one um, out of any of these categories because so much happens during the year. Um, and so much, like, as soon as I think about these categories, like, so many things popped in my mind. Um, for me, the one of, one of my favorite players and highlight kind of go hand in hand. Um, and this was one of those stories from the season that just epitomizes what I love about sports and this sport in general. But Jeffrey Connor from Strathaven had a monster, monster season out of Pennsylvania. Um, he ended up like, I forget what he started the year with um, point wise, because I don't have it in front of me, but he scored over 150 or 147 points, um, which was more than his previous career high. And I've got the chance to talk with him when I named him player of the week. And I got a chance to talk with his coach and you can just tell they are, he is a great kid. And it was one of those things like, he carried that team for most of the year. Like he was one of those players and he had a highlight in the Springfield Delco game, which was in a quarterfinal performance, which was astounding. Like if I can, I'm going to try to find the highlight and put a link to it in the, the notes for everybody. But it was one of those moments where you could hear, I remember talking to him and his coach and they were like, his coach basically told him like, well, you, you just have to score. And it was one of those moments where you see it, you can see it, from the outsider's perspective, you can see it turning and you can see how it's going to play out. And in his mind, like I remember him kind of relating, I think he told me something along the lines, like he didn't really know what he was going to do. Like he didn't go into that play having a set, but he just reacted, but it looked so fluid and it was so fun to watch. And like I said before, like I get to see so few games, especially like games like that on the East coast. Like I can't get to all the, the playoff games. So it's nice whenever people shoot highlights and I can get to see that and, and that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But another player that I, I just can't say enough positive things about was is Nikki Solomon from Centennial out of Georgia. And I have a little bit of a soft spot for the Solomons. Like I covered Nathan. He was probably one of the, like when I started Lax Records, he was um, 
heading into his junior year. And now I'd covered lacrosse with ESPN before, so I kind of knew him when he was a freshman because he had a monster freshman season too. But then Nathan went on and he ended up, you know, becoming Georgia's all-time leading scorer, scored over 600 career points. And that was a pretty impressive season. So I got to talk to him several times throughout the 2015 season. But then his little brother, Nicky, came along. And when Nathan was a senior, Nicky was playing. And Nicky had a phenomenal freshman year. And because of that relationship, like, I was able to talk with their dad, Neil, several times over the past few years. And great guy. And they've been very accommodating. But Nicky, got, I've gotten to see him just by the nature of streaming of sports now. Um, I've been able to see several of Centennial's games throughout the last few years. And he is such a fluid player that it's just like I'm, I'm pretty positive he's going to follow in Nathan's footsteps in college and and just be a, a star. Like, I think he's just that kind of player. He has the ability to um, take over a game and make the players around him better, which is always one of those areas that I'm like, you know, because, I mean, he finished with 357 assists in his career. I mean, Centennial scores an insane amount of goals. They have a lot of offensive talent. But Nicky was one of those guys, like, getting the chance to talk to him, he's He's very humble. He's very down to earth. Um, I named him my player player of the year this year. And this was the first year I was actually able to hand out a physical award. So I got to see him before the Under Armour All-American Games. And again, just a, a great kid. So I, and there's many more. I, I'm thinking um, uh, uh, Caputo out of, out of North Carolina oh, was yeah. another player that really impressed me uh, throughout the year. And then Mikey Berkman out of West Orange, out of Florida. So uh, he was another player. He had over 400 career points, and he was another kid I got to talk to during the year. And just another really great down-to-earth kid, and I'm sure Syracuse fans are going to be really happy with him. Like, it's going to be exciting for me to see Berkman and Solomon possibly on, you know, on the same team uh, and maybe the same line at some point uh, during the year because I think that's going to be a, a, a phenomenal offensive set with those guys in it. So I know that wasn't that was more than favorite because favorite generally means one. So I stole it and took three. Well, but. you can have more. <laughs> See, I have more than one. Fa- I mean, there's there's tons. You just like kids for certain ways they play, and and you, so you can always have more than one. I mean, it's not your all time because <laughs> if I'm going to talk about my favorite player, it's my kid. Yeah, you know, that, <laughs> right. He he's not going to make any lists or anything, but that's my favorite player. So, but I mean, I think it's great. What I also love is that you're talking about a a, a guy from Georgia. Uh, I was talking about a kid from Indiana and another kid from Illinois. Uh, so that, you know, traditional, although I don't look, I mean, I like to watch East coast. I like to watch Maryland. That's, I'm not going to focus on that. They don't need my focus. You know, they don't, they have enough publicity. So I'm looking Midwest, Midwest wise to try to, to generate publicity for these kids. Yeah. And it, it's nice. It's like, I guess I'm I'm starting to think of Georgia more and more of a hotbed. Like Florida, definitely, I think I'm I'm looking more as like a hotbed state, and Georgia is coming pretty close to that in my mind. Like I'm sure there's people who will traditionally maybe not consider it, but you look at the amount of talent that's starting to come out of those states and where they're going, and I think you're starting to see. I mean, Georgia is kind of primed for an explosion in my mind. I mean, we had the Solomons come out, but then. Um, we got Ben Hall at a, a Kennesaw Mountain, who's going to be another kid. And I think I forget, I'm, since I don't really track commitments, I can't remember off the top of my head where he's going. But he's committed to a D1 school. And then um, we have a kid at uh, Eric Malaver at a Woodward Academy at, in Georgia, and he's I think he's going to Georgetown. And he's another kid that's. I, I, it's funny because I talked to his dad at the Under Armour games, and he, they got Nikki's record in sight. And he stays healthy and continues to improve in those last two years. Like, he's got a shot, which is an insane amount of points. I mean, Nikki's the second nation's second all-time leading scorer. So, 
he's got a ways to go, but it's funny. They're competitive down there in Georgia, and I think you're starting to see more and more kids go D1. And I don't know what the definition, per se, would be of a hotbed state, but Georgia's putting out enough talent that I think, you know, they're – they're starting to get up there to be able to, you know, at least in certain pockets of the of the state that will be like, you know, there's it's a legit state and it can't be looked over as one of those states like, oh, you know, they just also play lacrosse. Like, I think they're they're one of those programs that are like they're they're for real and they're legit and people are going to have to start taking note, a little bit more notice and not be surprised if teams going out, out come from out there and upset other teams, too. Well, when you see when you look at some of the travel programs from different states, that's where you can see. Uh, as I'm on the road a lot, watch, and I've seen a lot of travel teams during the summers. Um, Georgia, you know, they have uh, LB Thunder, LB3 Thunder. Yep. I mean, they're, they're as good as anybody. I mean, I, not to put down the Team 91s and the Crabs or anything like that. They're in the conversation. They're in that conversation. West Coast Stars, that's another one. They're, West Coast Stars, I think, beat everybody last year. So those – they might not have the volume of great players in those states, but when you take the top players in each state, they now can compete that way. Um, that that's what I'd like to. See. I'd like to see like a full out national all star. You know, team Indiana, team Georgia, the best kids make the team, and then have like a giant round robin tournament just to see how the best can compete. Yeah. Which 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 would I would think would be so fun. It's. Between high school season, travel season, and, you know, coaches, and I don't think it could ever happen. Uh, but it would be something that could be, I, I would think, would be just great. I mean, I think Under Armour is the closest thing you get to it. Yeah. Uh, but I know for a fact some of the best kids in the Midwest weren't on the Under Armour Midwest team. Yeah. And that's, I don't know what the problem was that, but I, I think there's the best way to get it done. So maybe that's that'll go forward i think the under armor and i mean also you got to figure with the under armor like because they they divide it by year graduation year mm-hmm. so you get some of the younger kids that you know maybe may, if you were to do a true all-star team from you know the midwest or illinois like you would probably put some of the you know maybe 2020s along with the 2019s or the, you know the the 2021s would be on that team too whereas you know in under armor they don't necessarily play together like the you know those 2021s are playing on a different team because, you know, and it's it's a different event. It's a recruiting event. And, you know, it's a right. showcase event. So that's not really the point. But, I mean, the Under Armour games, that's, it comes close, but still not probably what we would consider a true because you would probably mix those teams a little bit more um, if you were doing, like, a true all-star, all-star team. So, yeah, um, and again, if anybody has opinions, we would love to hear from you about your favorite player or highlight from the high school season. If there's something we missed, if you just don't agree with us, make sure to give us a shout-out on Twitter and let us know. So we're going to move on from the high school season to a little bit of the off season because it's been a pretty active off season. At least for me, I think this has been my busiest off season that I've had uh, so far for for various reasons. But you know, for the favorite off season moment, um, Mike, what what do you got? Um, well, to be you know selfish, it'd be becoming a part of laxrecords.com. I mean, to be part of the conversation and to be part of of uh, bringing this forward, this is a big moment for me um, that I'm allowed to do this, that I'm allowed to follow lacrosse. They always say, if you want it, doing a job, do something you're passionate about and you're never working. Well, this is, I'm passionate about this. So this is, this is great. I love being a part of this. I love connecting with the kids. I love talking with parents. I love talking with coaches. So as far as off season, 
this is a very big thing for me. And I hope that part of the reason you're a little more busy this year was me coming on that we're, uh, you know, we're pushing it a little more. So I, I selfishly, it's me being involved with your company. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just one thing. Yeah. And I, honestly, that, that's one of my favorite things, like the, having, being able to have you on, because it's one of those things, like when we had our first conversation, like I'm just a naturally skeptical person. So like I've had people reach out and, you know, express interest before, but, and I've talked to other people who run sites uh, around the nation before who generally do it because they started doing it because it was something that they love. And one of the pretty much um, statements that every, every one of us kind of echo is it's hard to find other people that are as passionate about your project as you are. So it's one of those things like for me, I'm obviously very passionate about what I what I do and starting Lax Records, and I truly enjoy it. But it's always been one of those things like it's hard to find people that are as passionate about it as I am. So generally, like if I'll get people that are interested in doing it, they might help out a little bit or they might do something. But then it kind of fades off because it's not something they love. But, you know, when we we were talking, like I kind of recognize the the passion in your voice. And then I know like you have a different take on the things that you want to do than what I'm doing. But I think that's why, for me, that's why it works is because it wouldn't work if we were both trying to do the exact same thing. So I think you you have brought a different um, perspective and a different voice to the site that I've truly enjoyed. So, you know, for me, it's again, it's one being able to find something that kind of shares that passion on what I'm trying to do and how we can kind of highlight the kids and the teens and things like that. And then uh, be able to do the, the kind of go hand in hand with that is just, they don't do the podcast. Now the podcast has always been one of those things for me is like, I really enjoy doing like, I just listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I have a long commute. And so to be able to find someone again, it was one of those things like for me to be doing it alone was challenging. So to find someone else that enjoys doing it and love to talk across has been pretty phenomenal. So, you know, our, our favorite off season moment kind of go hand in hand. Cause that was one of the things I was thinking about as well. Well, that's great to hear. <laughs> I'm glad that I, that you think the same way. Uh, I've never had a problem talking. You know that <laughs> we talk. Uh, I had a radio show before when I, in a previous life doing stuff in Chicago. Uh, so I've never been afraid to give an opinion, uh, to, to discuss things, to, to, you know, not argue because I don't like to argue. I don't think it's a point to argue. I think, you know, it's all good. I, you know, but I love this. I just love it. And I love the, what it, what's happened because of this is so many people have reached out from different States and Hey, I, I know the team you play for. Do you know this kid? And, and, and then it gets into a conversation. So I'm looking forward to seeing different parents who have reached out to me. Like, I'll be at this tournament. I'm like, I'll be there. Come and look for me. I'm this, I look like this. Uh, so that's great. I'm just, I'm, again, I can't reiterate how much, how happy this makes me and how much fun it is. I mean, I just can't wait. I, I can't wait. I want to, I want to go watch games now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the season's going to be here fast, but it's one is like, because uh, both of us being in the Midwest, we got to wait a little bit longer, but at least I get to start paying attention to it probably in late February or not late February, sorry, late January um, is when like the Texas is in Florida they'll get started. So I'll start seeing a little bit of it then, but it will be a little while before I'll actually go to get to a game um, and probably a little bit longer to get to a game where it's actually comfortable outside. <laughs> Those early games will be still be pretty chilly up here. Well, I just bought myself some nice cold weather gear to tell <laughs> to be honest, uh, a full length outdoor jacket that's windproof and waterproof. And I just got a nice pair of boots. So when I'm sitting there watching, 
I, I'll be toasty. I, yeah. I just I, it, because you never know what, especially in the Midwest. One day it can be seventy, the next day it can be thirty. Oh, so I, I, I can I can beat I can beat you there. I think it was two years ago. I went to see New Trier and Brother Rice play, and I can't remember what month it was. Um, it was pretty early in the season, where Brother Rice came up the New Trier, and um, I went to take pictures. Uh, you can probably still see some of the pictures on the website. But their first half of the game, it was gorgeous. I think I got there, and I had you know I had my winter jacket on, and but it was sunny. It was a gorgeous day for lacrosse, and then literally it was by halftime, somewhere around halftime. I think just before the uh, end of the second quarter, the clouds came in and the most insane snow, it just started coming down so thick you could not see. Like I was standing on the sideline and I could not see the goal. (laughs) It came on so thick and so fast. And so they went to halftime and then it blew through and it was back to sunny. And I was like, this has been the most insane weather game. (laughs) It's like we have you know, experienced like everything in the span of 30, 40 minutes of this game. So uh, it was funny because all the pictures from the second half all have snow on the field. Like the first half, nothing. <laughs> right, same game. You can literally tell which half of the game the photo is from by how much snow is on the field. Yeah, and I like to say that's the mid, that's the Midwest game for you. You know, you, they, they'll, you'll play in anything. I mean, you're practicing outside in February. It's like 10 degrees outside. I'm yeah, like, what? Does funny. anyone else do that? That's that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I find funny. And no. parents watching it, like me, like a nutcase, standing out there and watching. Oh, how do they look? I'm freezing, but this is great. I'm, I'm sure they sold a lot of hot chocolate during that game. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, again, anybody who has their favorite off-season moment, be sure to let us know. So we're going to kind of uh, wrap it up a little bit. And for anything we kind of didn't cover, uh, we're just going to do a – favorite moment overall so this can be pretty much anything and there's been feels like and we're not going to limit the high school because i think there's been so much that's happened this year that it's kind of worth this kind of opening the floodgates and, and letting us talk about whatever and you know however many we want so uh michael what has been your your favorite moment overall that we may not have talked about yet i don't know how to even put this in the in the as a favorite moment it's i think it's a again let's talk about me i'm coming from the midwest um, Detroit Country Day got a new coach this year. His name is Chris Garland. He came from the, the Gilman School. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's such a big – now, I know him. I've seen him coach. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a great addition to the Midwest um, to bring that kind of talent. Now, we have great coaches here. I'm pleased. But I think that's just another level of adding to something – in Michigan, in Detroit, for that school. I think that's a huge move. I, I think that brings, like, just to say, oh, he came from Maryland to go to Detroit. I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful move. Uh, and, again, I know him. I've spoken to him. He's a wonderful person. More than a coach. He's a leader of men where I have seen him talk, and I have been emotionally moved by what he said. And he wasn't speaking to me. He was speaking to young men. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I'm like, this is a person who, this is one of the type of people that you would, you would run through a wall for. So I, I think of, of that as far as being a big moment for Midwest lacrosse that I'm talking about. I think that's a big move. Um, he also coaches on the travel team uh, for Juice Cherries. Okay. There are kids who come from Maryland and play on Juice Cherries because of him. 
they come from Maryland to play on a travel team out of Detroit that goes back and plays in Maryland because he's the coach. So if that doesn't say something, I, I, I don't know what kind of commitment. That, I mean, that's, that's great. So that's a big weird I, – I guess it's a weird thing to say, but as a favorite offseason, favorite type of thing. But I just think it's – I hope there's more of that. I hope, yeah. I hope we can get that kind of overall coaching. You know, we, the top schools have the top coaches in the Midwest. I mean, we right. know it. Detroit Country Day is a great school. I think he's going to really do something special there, which will make other teams compete and keep up. So I, that's, my, that's my plug and my push for Michigan right there. And I think that kind of speaks a little bit to what we talked about, I think, uh, two episodes ago where we were just kind of talking about in general, like how schools in the not hotbed areas can, can really kind of take the step up. And it's a lot of it is the coaches from – probably there's more traditional hotbed areas that have, you know, they're, they're not playing anymore. They're not coaching. Maybe they're doing something else. So they, but they want to get back into coaching and they move to other areas of the country and they take their knowledge and their skill set with them to areas that may not have seen that level. And then they spread it from there. So then they, you know, their assistant coaches learn from them. And then those guys go on to other schools in those States and they spread it. So it's almost like, you know, a little bit like a virus, like they come out and they kind of everything spreads and it goes out from there because, you know, a lot. It's funny how many coaches that I meet from, you know, Florida and Tennessee and other areas of the country, and they have roots back to New York, Long Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Like they're from, they're they're not native um, to the area, but they're they were they moved to an area early on. They may have started the programs at the, their respective schools, and then their assistant coaches go on to and start programs at other schools so for me that's great it's great to see so it'll be definitely one of those kind of storylines to watch for the upcoming season to see what impact and it's hard to judge for it in during year one but like kind of you might be interested to see what what kind of impact he has um moving forward just to see the culture change that's the the the, the thing about when you get these coaches from from hotbeds that go to the other places not just the midwest i have seen coaches from long island long island high school coaches now, they're a little tougher on their players in Long Island. It's a different, you know, they've grown up with it. To see some of these coaches come and coach in, like, an Illinois school, I think the parents' heads sort of explode, like, oh, I, what is this? And I'm like, this is how it, you know, this is how he coaches. That He's used to his players that have grown up since three years old playing, and he gets yeah. at them. That's the culture shock. I think the culture shock comes more from the parents. when They're like, oh, I – I didn't know coaches were this tough. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yes, this isn't like some cut, like some people here might think of it as a, is a country club type sport. I'm like, you don't understand. This is, this is a, this is a rough, tough sport. You you can't be a, you know, this isn't easy. This is tough. So it's yeah. fun to see that. I really get a kick out of that when you see the parents eyes light up like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, this is how they did it. They're not going to change. And, yeah. and I think it's great. So I, I, again, I hope to see more of it. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. It'd definitely be one, one to watch. Um, I think for me, and I, I'm probably going to get maybe, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit sappy here in the moment, but you know, it's one of those things like for me, um, one of the things that has been my favorite, uh, not probably not a moment, maybe a moment is, is too, uh, a finite, uh, definition, but my favorite things from the year has been, I guess, just the support, that I've received on Lax Records. I think it was mid last year when I kind of like, well, when I'd finally 
completed the process of turning Lax Records into a non-profit because before when I started in 2014, this was one of those things I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to start it. I'm going to give it a year, see how it goes, see what kind of support it receives. And if no one reads it, then, uh, you know, I'll just shut it down. But it was one of those things like I was passionate about, I thought was important. And I don't think I really had in mind, like I had no business plan in mind on what I was going to do with it. Like making money on this was not one of the things I had an idea with. But it was a couple of years ago I had the idea. I was like, you know, it's like if I'm going to be able to really kind of grow this, I'm not going to be able to do it out of my own pocket. So I was able to turn it into a nonprofit um, and then do that. But then it was I, trying to do fundraising. Like it's not a skill set that I have. So it's honestly still a little bit awkward to basically ask people to donate because I'm like, oh, you know, maybe like no one's going to be interested in this kind of thing. But I guess the outpouring of support that I've seen through the donations on Lax Records is been one of the most humbling moments of my life over the past year because so many people have donated and like I, I received even a couple of donations today that I'm just like that's got to be a mistake like I feel like they're that's like that's insane like just the amount of support and I remember Casey Powell donated this year and he had tweeted out um, on how great a resource he thinks uh, the the site is and that everybody should donate now that, that for me I was like I was floored because it's just one of those things like to get that kind of support. And it's great to have the money to be able to kind of help run the site. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when the site crashed, like that kind of stuff becomes invaluable because it's just, unfortunately, most things take money to solve. Sometimes the problems have to be solved with money. And I was one of those, like, I have to find someone who's going to help me fix this. But, you know, just the support that I've been able to receive from the community. And for me, this was a site that I knew when I started was going to take community support because I knew I, I I'm heading into year five, so I'm planning on doing a few things this year just to kind of show how far the site has come. But I looked at the initial list that I basically launched Lax Records with, and you look at what I have now. I think I had like 20 players on the 400-point the list uh, when I started the site, and and now there are 93. So that just kind of shows you in four or five years how large the site has been able to grow and it honestly has not been able to do that without the support from the community and how many people have just been kind of willing to help out, pitch in, give me leads as to what players to watch or players to like, Oh, you need to look at this guy or look at this and stuff like that. I mean, one of the things that stand up in the last couple of weeks is the couple of the guys that were in that longest overtime game, that 14 overtime game that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, like guys that had played in that game found the tweet that I'd put on Twitter and this started kind of reminiscing about that game a little bit, like who scored the winning goal and the assist and stuff like that. And for me, that was great. I was like, this is the kind of stuff that really excites me and uh, kind of drives me forward to keep growing the site and making it making it better and more robust and more of a resource for people to come to to get information that they might not be able to find elsewhere. Well, uh, just to speak on that, I, I, the, the nonprofit part is what also drew me to you. Um, I used to raise money for people. I used to deal with charities and I used to deal with political action committees and things like that back in mm -hmm. Chicago. Um, it gives you credibility because I think a lot of people worry about giving money to somebody thinking, oh, they're just taking my money to put it in their pocket. Right. So when you say you're a nonprofit, that, show, that shows that you're, you're taking this to, to grow it. And it shows your commitment and, and that you're, that how much you like it or love it. Um, and it draws people to that. People are, genuinely uh generous i mean that if they feel your passion and they and they have the same passion they will be generous and i'm and again 
I, I will be helping out more and more with this because I believe in your vision that you've driven. And I, and I know a lot of other people who've reached out to me have said, I, I want to help out too. And I always say, well, let's, you know, you could talk to Mike, you could give money. So I'm looking forward to this year. I think we're going to see a very, uh, a much bigger interest this year. I, yeah, I, yeah. I have allowed, I have allowed, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a loud bullhorn of a person. So I, <laughs> I, and I'm not afraid to scream it, you know, from the top of the rooftop, you know, this is what I'm about. This is come and help us out. Let's get this better. If you like it, help us. Uh, so I, I'm, that drew me to you and it gives you credibility. That's I, I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's one of like the, the growth of the site this year. I mean, I, I can't kind of go, um, I, I did the post kind of when I did my year in review, you can read it on laxrecords.com and I'll have a link in the, in the show notes, anything It's kind of looking back, but you know, the, the Twitter account hit over 4,000 uh, in the last couple months and Instagram hit a thousand this just this past month. Uh, so it's been, you know, on the social scale, it's been, like I've seen more growth on Twitter. Like I have to see how many people, but it's been, I've been adding a lot of followers um, by the bucket load over the last few weeks. So I'm seeing, I'm starting to see a little bit of a snowball effect. Like it's one of those things like in social media, you can need, the more people you have, you, know, you can kind of grow it exponentially a little bit because if they start retweeting and the vision gets out, the word gets out there a little bit more, you kind of get a little bit more. So I'm starting to see the site grow um, because of that. So it's, it's very exciting. And to your point, like, 2018 was probably the most successful year I had, but I'm kind of have high expectations for 2019 and what we're going to be able to do. And I have some things in mind, like content wise that we're going to be doing. I think I talked about it last well, what we oh, episode was last week, stuff we're planning on doing for the upcoming season. So I'm, you know, as much as this is a look back um, and as much as I enjoyed the 2018 season, I'm really looking forward to the 2019 season as well. <laughs> I'm with you. I can't wait. I, like I said, I cannot wait. So, well, I think that's going to do it for, for this episode. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Again, if uh, you want to share what your favorite moment, player, highlight, whatever you want, just your favorite 2018 moment or season or whatever you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Lax Records. Michael, where can people find you? Uh, you can email me at mward at laxrecords.com, or you can find me at Twitter at mfwchi. Um, that's my Twitter handle. So again, like I've said before, if you make a comment to me, I will start a conversation. I will, I will, I will talk back. Don't worry. So come and come and start a conversation. I'd be more than happy to listen and talk. Hey everybody. That'll do it for this week. Everybody have a great week. Hope everybody enjoyed the latest episode of the around the crease podcast. If you're curious after listening to this latest podcast on how you can make a donation to lax records, you can go to laxrecords.com slash donate. Again, that's laxrecords.com slash donate, and it'll take you to the page. I have several options. You can either do a one-time donation or I have a recurring donation. It's about 2 bucks a month, and it just auto-withdraws, so you don't have to even think about it at all. So just to let you know, Lax Records is a 501c3, so that means all donations are tax-exempt. You can write it off at the end of the year, and the donations really are the main way I'm able to keep the site up and running, pay for additional server costs, and pay for... All the things that it takes to running a website, including what happened a few weeks ago, which was when the site crashed, I was able to use some of the money to help pay for someone to look into it and fix the site. So for everybody who's already donated, I cannot thank you enough. It, again, is a humbling experience. But if you want to donate again, or if you want to donate for the first time, go to laxrecords.com donate.